Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are a ramshackle bunch before this podcast starts. Phil has turned up in official lightboat association or whatever that's called. Royal National Royal Lifeboat, National lifeboat Institute. Yeah, well, whatever that is. The RNLI. Phil's turned up in a parka jacket that looks like it's official clobber from that. JB has voluntarily run. Never again. <laughs> I've seen you playing rugby and you don't run on a rugby pitch. I hate running. <laughs> and I, I've come from a seven-year-old Laser Quest birthday party. So um, it, we, who knows where this one is going from here. Anything could happen. But thanks for joining us and hands in pod on three. One, two, three. Pod! pod. Just before we get going, JB, what is the lodge? What, what, what's behind you running? What's going on there? Christmas. Christmas is oh, behind me running. Guilt. And, uh, and fear. I've played two weeks on the bounce now, and I've probably ran on the pitch around five or six yards before collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not in good shape, and I need to get in better shape. I did actually get a text from your wife when you just set off saying, um, can you watch out for Jay? He might have collapsed somewhere between, <laughs> between his house and the studio. Oh, hilarious. Well, listen, thank you very much for downloading and listening to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Uh, we don't take ourselves or the game too seriously. We just love rugby. And my word is there a lot to talk about this week. Uh, building up to another weekend of massively critical European fixtures for lots of clubs involved in European competition. And we've just come off the back of a weekend of domestic rugby, which has thrown up some really interesting plot twists with some results and player injuries and things like that so plenty for us to get our teeth into you can get in touch with us at any time at rugby podcast on twitter i'm tim that is phil hi tim and that is jb good day to you tim now before we get started because we've got so much this week i'm just going to pose a little trivia question i wanted to pose a little trivia question at the very start uh, what i'll do is i'll pose this question phil jb get a blank bit of paper get your pens out okay. do no, no cheating with the internet. Yeah, I don't have the internet at the moment. No phone, no nothing. <laughs> and I have a question for you, and play along, and we will. I'll go give you the answers in a few minutes after we've had a little natter about some of the games. So the question is: Next week, Stuart Lancaster will select his squad to face Wales in the opening Six Nations match. Four years ago, it was also a World Cup year, and England also opened the Six Nations tournament against Wales. There are six men who featured for England in the Autumn Internationals recently who also appeared for England that day against Wales in 2011. In, in the matchday 23 against Wales. In the matchday 23 against Wales in 2011, there are six players who also featured for England during the recent Autumn Internationals. Name those six players. 
I'll give you a few seconds now just to let that one digest and I'll hmm. reiterate the question and then we'll get your answers in a, in a little while. So you can let that one mull for a bit, boys. Okay. Um, so just to reiterate, there are six men who featured in the recent Autumn Internationals in Stuart Lancaster's England side who also were in the matchday squad four years ago, also a World Cup year, when England opened the Six Nations against Wales, as they will do this year. Hmm. Are we only allowed to write down six? Yes. So we'll leave that one to one side for a little bit. Okay. okay. And we'll move on if you can try and drag your minds away from that as it's ticking over <laughs> uh, ticking over in the back there. Um, we've got... So- what a weekend. We're- now, we make no apologies for starting in the Aviva Premiership. We know we have a lot of listeners in Ireland and, and Wales as well. And, and, and it's else- also the best league. Let's not forget that. <laughs> well, quite apart from that, it's thrown up some amazing results this week. Six home wins. It was an amazing weekend. Um, six, six, whoever got an accumulator for this week would have got some unbelievable odds. Yeah, yeah, because we were predicting, I think, five away wins. Uh, well, I think, Jay, you predicted Quinns would win against Leicester, didn't you? Did I? I th- I th- I've got a feeling you did. But other than that, yeah, it was just Bath and Newcastle we said would win at home. And, oh, right, sorry, yeah, four. And, uh, and three or four um, away wins. And let's start with those guys that have overachieved, arguably. Gloucester, firstly, that was a big result. Huge result. Great game. And it was quite nice to see that the Gloucester tries were good, long-range, hmm. like creative tries, whereas the Saracens tries were just forward power, driving malls, which Gloucester still cannot defend. No, they really can't. I, like, I'd go so far as to say it's, it's embarrassing watching was Gloucester. Was it Savage or the other one? Stook. Or Stook. One of the two. Just keeps coming on Both the side. Of them. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we were joking about the anchor, but then we're not really joking about the anchor because they did it again. They, they keep doing it. At one point, one of the tries that Saracen scored from a driving mall, Morgan and Nick Wood ended up face to face on the floor as they went <laughs> over the line. Like they were pushing against each other. This is, this is uh, Ben Morgan and Nick Wood had a tender embrace. <laughs> Maybe they were so distracted by their their romantic tryst on the floor. That's why they both ended up going off injured. <laughs> Maybe. Too well, passionate. Yeah. Te- well, here's a few things which I've taken away from the game. Number one is Saracens, although we talk about the hive mind and how they get all the value out of their players, they had a very depleted backline, And I think yeah. that really started to show. Ben Ransom is basically a poor man's Ben Foden. I mean, you watch him play. He looks like Ben Foden lights. And, uh, yeah, did, very, very light. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Ben Foden's quite light light anyway. But the way he plays, he's very steppy, not quite as fast as Foden. But he's not there. I just no, think he's a very I, similar I, player. I don't think he's that good. Played played against him four years ago, maybe, in, in mm-hmm. Nas- National 1, when he was playing for Blackheath. And everyone was talking him up because he was, like, England under-20s under at the time. And he did nothing. He, he, all he had was this kind of big step, like this big predictable step, like yeah. he's going to go on the outside, but then never had... The pace at that level. That's to go exactly on, right. He doesn't the have the top end pace. He's got nice acceleration, but not good top end pace. Mm. Yeah, usually they have. Good, they I, have I, good, I think he's uh, a yeah. He's a solid player, good squad player, but never. Gonna but you're right about Saracens player. having a, a depleted backline with all the resources they have in their squad. It just did not look threatening there at again, all with their depleted yeah. backline and most of Gloucester's first team. I don't think. I mean, Trinder was out uh, and Hibbard is on the bench. Sorry, Laidlaw also didn't start. Not that they needed Laidlaw, yeah, by the way. That's actually like a blessing in disguise Wasn't having yeah. Laidlaw pull out because Dan Robson, who scored an incredible try that week, he scored an incredible try a few weeks ago against Bath 
and he's now moving on to Wasps, where again he'll be second choice scrum half. No, but at least he'd be a like flight replacement with uh, with, uh, with Simpson. Yeah, we, aren't we seeing this with the teams that? Uh, and I think Wasps have it in have that mentality that they are going to be challenging for titles domestically and in Europe eventually. That that they're, they're recruiting as if that is their aim. And isn't it interesting how Toby Booth was out citing Saracens as the reason why they've gone and recruited Reese Priestland because look at Saracens, they have mm-hmm. the 210s. When, when one's away in international duty, they have another top-class one to come in. And it looks like Wasps are doing similar. We look yeah. at the, the fly-offs they're going to have next season and the nines in, yeah, import, in, in important positions. Uh, the only other team that has two like first-choice nines is Northampton. I think everyone else has got a clear-cut one. Uh, Northampton do do yeah. split the duties a little bit more actually. Uh, Just going on to the the Bath Priestland thing. When I when I read this, I was thinking, yeah, it's a good move for Bath. But I was also thinking, perhaps Mike Ford is looking to kind of manage his son's game time to make sure that he will always be fresh, not only for the big European, not. European matches, but also fresh for England when when he needs to be. I love the way you put it in in his son. His son. His his, half. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't bother if it if it wasn't his son. No, just, yeah, and also if it's so, not his son, just grind him into the ground. So England are about to play Wales on the verge, <laughs> right? On the verge of it, and they're in the European Cup. So do you think he says, "Okay, son, have a seat," and just puts Preston through the meat grinder? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. this is our plan this week. Crush one from where, boss? From fly half, <laughs> and away, like, yeah, away at Toulouse. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's probably that's not a bad, that's not, not a bad shout. Yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. I think the worrying thing for Gloucester is a lack of ability to play as a team. I mean, they really can't. They they've got some great individual players, but yeah. they're not as good as the sum of their parts, yes. which is the complete opposite to Saracens. And that last minute kick, they were lucky to win that. Don't make any mistake; they were lucky lucky to win well, it. Well, if Ashton had stayed on side, it would have been. They wouldn't even got a bonus point yeah. because they would have lost by more than seven. And and f- furthermore, if you look at their new signings, I genuinely think now that when they don't have Hibbard playing, they're a better scrummaging side. They they just are. they are. It, it, their their scrum was solid and got parity until Hibbard came on, and then it kind of started popping yeah. up and all the rest of it. And there's some really dodgy decisions there. Fly half. Now there was a situation a few years ago where the Welsh team had Owl Thomas in at, at fly half, and the criticism was because you had Owl Thomas at fly half, you'd have Stephen Jones at twelve, and Stephen Jones would take on too much of the responsibility, letting Owl Thomas um, off the hook. Excuse the pun. And the problem is with ten, you need all that responsibility and you need to run the game. I think there's a little bit the same thing going on now with Hook and Twelve Trees, who keeps on stepping into that role, who had a horrible game. He kicked one good kick. He made one good break, and then after that, it was downhill severely. So between the, those two, they've been playing very badly. Mm, Hook's drop goal okay. was a disaster. Uh, he had one nice run, but they're not playing well. But does, they, they does that say a lot about Saracens that we're we're actually sort of going? There wasn't a massive amount of positives for Gloucester, really, other than the result. Yes, agreed. hundred uh, percent is watching Saracens is like watching a team whose second and first team train together. And watching Gloucester is like watching a team who've just bought a load of stars and they're hoping, they've got the fingers crossed that these stars can work together and win games. Yeah. Occasionally they, they will, but I don't think that they're a good team. Mm. Interesting. Uh, London Irish, a five-point win against Exeter, who will be gutted. Their, their form has nosedived um, in terms of results. They haven't been playing terribly badly. Well, that's the, four, four losses from four. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Uh, but they've got Six Nations coming up and they're, and they're always strong during Six Nations because they've got that squad that's right on the verge of being recognised. And exactly what you said about London Irish last week, JB, you said they're one of those teams that when they have their first 
choice team out. They're competitive with anyone, but they lose a few. And Blair Cowan came back in, really influential, two tries, loads of tackles, yep. jackled over the ball. He's a, he's a proper player. Well, I think every team now, every team in, in the Premiership, with the exception of London Welsh, for whatever reason it may be, <laughs> can do some damage on their day. Mm. I mean, well, it's not for whatever reason. Uh, we have got, unless I should have mentioned this ooh. earlier, actually, but let me just mention on the London Welsh thing, because they're, they're threatening legal action over their lower level of funding, about a third of the money that some of the clubs in the Aviva Premiership get. We have got a salary cap special coming up. Now, that one we're going to put out on... You're the boss. Wednesday, 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 Wednesday afternoon. We will put out a, um, a salary cap special. JB managed to get Damien Hopley, the head of the Rugby Players Association, former England interna- and, and international and WASP, and set up the RPA. And uh, we're going to get him on to talk about salary cap and uh, other things. So we'll be doing a, a salary cap special because it's one of the big debates both at the top end of the table where some clubs are apparently wanting it disbanded and at the bottom where some are threatening legal action for it not being fair. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll dig into that a little bit in a salary cap special. Keep an eye out. We don't normally well, release a podcast other than every Monday. We'll do a special one this Wednesday. Yeah, and the thing you'll notice about this podcast, the biggest contrast is the intellects of me and Tim compared to the intellect of Damien Hopley. He's a seriously bright bloke. He is a very, very <laughs> clever fella. Um, so London Irish grafted a win at home. Sale Sharks likewise. And not just... Well, I mean, London Irish got a dramatic and almost a brilliant one to watch. Grandstand finish, drop goal, last kick of the game practically. Sale Sharks dominated Northampton. And were 20 points to nil up uh, until they got a consolation trial late on. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say about this. I haven't seen it. But the result is shocking. Uh, it's just Diamond doing what Diamond does. Jim, again. Jim Mallander cited the fact he had basically no second rows available to him. Get over it. No, 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 no. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't moaning or saying Sale didn't deserve the win or anything. He was just saying, "I think that had a, sorry, not sorry." I think that had a really. <laughs> he's just saying, "I think that had a really, really big impact on the game." The, the fact that all their second rows were basically out. So who do they play at second row? Dickinson and Callum Clark. Yeah. Oh, wow. Callum so Clark played second row. Yeah. yeah. So, so, that, they, so that, their line-out got taken apart. The scrum didn't do that as well as it normally does for Northampton. Mm. And it just... Well, Dickinson is a second row, isn't it? I'll, I'll go one further than that. Um, Sale Sharks recorded probably the best set-piece stats I think I've ever seen, which was 26 attempts, 26 successful attempts, 100% um, set-piece. There again. Fact. Good stat there from Phil, our stat man. <laughs> did Northampton have the starting front row? Uh, they did. They had Corbs. Uh, no Hartley, Haywood played. That's and probably why. Mara, Marafu. Probably why they were losing it is because Corbs did, did start. He's not. Um, Keep it kind of quiet. Yeah, he needs a little bit more, a little bit of a, of a longer run in the side before you'll see his form from the, from the Lions. Yeah, agree with that. Um, but yeah, cracking result. Um, and again, it, it was kind of. Bit of forward power up front, some some mm. rolling mall tries from the mm. from Sale, which not many teams will do to Northampton. No, and again, do you think it's just the case that they all hate Diamond so much he wants to just do it despite him? <laughs> he's gone around saying, "You guys are not good enough. You're trash. You're idiots," and they're all going out there fuming. Well, again, again linking back into this salary cap special, which is coming in the week, uh, Sale Sharks were touting a huge name oh, for the signing so, so they put out a little they put out a little state a little message on well last week one night going set your alarm early 6:30 we've got big news someone's on the plane and they're landing in, in Manchester and they're coming Can to sell say, sharks 
They we, didn't we, land. They didn't land that night. They landed three or four days before, and they'd be training with sail for two days. I know. The, the message said that night. So we obviously we got... were speculating. We were WhatsApping each other and going, "Oh, do you reckon Stefan Armitage? Yeah, maybe Stefan Armitage on loan." And I, I did a little bit of a stalking on social media and found out that Stefan Armitage, eight hours earlier, was showing off his new PS4 travel case. Makes sense. And I was like, oh my God, he's going, going on his travels. Stefan Armitage to sail, oh my word. Why don't we go through some of the names that we came up with? So, <laughs> using our logic, we were like, okay, Stefan Armitage is definitely in play. Who else would it be? Well, someone from Southern Hemisphere who isn't involved in the national setup. So I think we went like Ryan Kinkowski. Yeah. We had some big names Barry in there. Barry Barnes was on there. Yeah, Barry Barnes was good. Oh, uh, who's the other guy I had from uh, Japan? Uh, Jerry Collins was Jerry Collins was Jerry Collins I was convinced it was Jerry Collins <laughs> anyway bigger than all of them who was it Phil? TJ Ioani yeah. yeah cousin of Digby uh, who's had five starts in the Super 40 15 well, it's like, who Super is this rugby. guy like second choice hooker for Bay of Plenty I mean <laughs> just who cares Sale you can't do that again so he's, he's a six slasher he, he is Samoan capped and he was included in their most recent tour but but again, that does link in to the fact this whole disparity, the top and the bottom, the haves, the have-nots, um, the salary cap special coming up in the middle of the week. Now, one thing we got to mention is from the Gloucester game, Ben Morgan's injury. Yes. Now, again, someone, I would like to point out, Gareth Evans is a name that I've picked out before. And you have. Oh, yeah, you, you have. have. And you boys have both sort of went... Who? Who? What? <laughs> Basically. He came on and him and Rob, uh, him, Robson, who weren't slated to start, came on, had a massive impact in the game. That break from, from him Evans. was awesome. Yeah, Gareth, Gareth Evans, Evans. L- likes to play. I mean, that is a fact. Yeah, He, lo- he th- loves playing rugby. Fact. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's that as much of a fact as Phil's stats on Sale Shark set piece. <laughs> but Ben Morgan was man of the match. Double try scorer in England's win against Australia, the final autumn international match. So and man of the series man of the in the series. autumn internationals. So a shoe in to be wearing England's number eight shirt. Uh, Benny Vanapola, obviously, who was up against him, um, it looks like he'll step into that. But who steps in for Billy Vanapola or for Ben Morgan in the squad? Mm. Well, let's, I, just, let's assess England's options here because Stuart Lancaster has got to make this decision and make this decision. Do you think it's going to be like a Kurt Warner story? So, How do you mean? Well, okay, so. Uh, Kurt, Kurt, yeah, I know who Kurt Warner Kurt, is, but Kurt for anyone Warner is a quarterback uh, in, in the NFL, used to be, and he was behind the established stars who was Trent Green, who went down with a horrific concussion. Uh, Kurt Warner came in, won, won a Super Bowl, no big deal. So I'm wondering if this is going to be like a Kurt Warner story for someone that we've not really seen at international level come and make a huge impact. And I'm thinking probably Dave, Dave Viewers, I'd like to see him get a run. But Dave Hughes doesn't even start eight for Exeter. That's because they've got Thomas Waldron. He's exceptional. Um, Maybe. Thomas, Thomas Waldron. What, what, about the, what about Thomas the Tank? Yeah. I don't know if he's dynamic enough. I mean, he's very good he's, because he gets a lot of help from everyone around him. Reading some stats just before Christmas, he was top of or in the top five for most metres made, most defenders beaten, most clean line breaks. He, I know, he's top scorer in the Aviva Premiership. I know is what, he? Yeah. I know, I know exactly what JB is <laughs> talking about, though, because a lot of Thomas Waldron's yards are because the game plan is drop him off. Yeah. And then when there's and a he kick... he makes 50 yards when there's a kick, 30 yards return. Whoever yeah. catches it pops it to Thomas Waldrum and he makes 30 yards. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's very effective at doing it and he's, he seems to be in the right place at the right time a lot. But I don't think that strategy is in um, Stuart Lancaster's uh, stock, stock management No, I don't, he, he doesn't, no, he doesn't drop his number eight back no, in the same way. No, agree with that. Um, and a marker against Ewers, 
would be the fact that Lancaster and England like using their scrum as, an, as a weapon f- to win penalties and as an attacking weapon. You need someone who's going to control the ball at the back of the, the scrum. So you need someone who's regu- regularly starting at eight. Yeah. Which also says, I mean, some people have gone, well, Haskell will be the, the obvious selector. I, when's the last time you saw Haskell play eight? Yeah, though? exactly. And well, I don't... well, let me tell you, JB, because oh, I've actually looked it up. The last time he started at eight for Wasps was September 2009. <laughs> well, that's not a goer then, is it? And that's no. because he doesn't have the ball skills to play at the back. Exactly. Uh, so it's he... got to be... So Thomas Waldrum, is, would he be top of the list at the moment, out of the ones we've mentioned? Who else comes in? Um, well, he has experimented with Wood at eight in the past. I like Wood which... as own player, but no. No, not as an eight. Does Callum, can Callum Clark, he doesn't have that in him either, really, does no, he? No, no. Doesn't, doesn't uh, do it. D- doesn't Sam Dickinson does, but I don't think he'll, he'll be considered. No. no. You as 100% does. But he would need game time. Who who do we know that's a high-level performing player that's playing rugby at number eight regularly and no. may, maybe is exposed to some high-level competition quite a lot? Is there anyone? I don't know. I can't. There's, he... there's one man I Sam can Burgess. think of. Sam Burgess. No. no. <laughs> I can think of one man. Big strapping lad. Oh, are you talking about? Are we talking. I, I bet you'll think. Hang on. Are I you bet thinking we're all the thinking that the can same pack thing. his PS4 into a case and go wherever he wants. <laughs> well, possibly, but I was also thinking big strapping man, English qualified on resident residency rules. Who? Is- Jonathan Beardmore. Of course, of course. <laughs> no, I'm Welsh. I'm, I'm, I'm Welsh. I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, I've got one who will not be considered, but I'd like to see him considered, and he can play eight, and he does play eight. Mark Wilson from Newcastle. Yeah. Could could player could be in and about the squad. He should be. He really should be. I think he. I think he's such a good player. This this season is a whole season of turnarounds. This uh, JB. <laughs> oh no! I've still praising got, Newcastle Falcons. I've still got a few things to say about Newcastle, as you'll find out later. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, come on. Let's, let's, well, Stefan Armitage has got to be considered. Like I, Stuart Lancaster has left the door ajar, hasn't he? Yeah. I, is I this think, the moment? Right. Well, I, I think you've got to consider. You've got to bring him into the squad for the Six Nations. Um, just because. So you need... Billy Vanapola can't play a full 80 minutes, particularly not international level, so you need someone who has the ability to, to cover eight on the bench. You only get one back row sub on the bench. So he's got to be someone who can cover kind of all three positions. So it's either, do you go for Haskell, Haskell. who can, mm-hmm. or Armitage, Easter, who can, can do it a bit better. Easter... What? Is playing really, why, why really not well. Oh, if that's my word. Why yes, actually, how did we not mention Easter before this? Yeah, um, Easter's playing mm, superbly. Or uh, I mean, on Twitter, there was, um, I'm going to find the tweet actually as I say it. But basically, it's like, come on, we've got to consider Nick Easter now, or is he still the official scapegoat of Rugby World Cup 2011? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, Easter's about as good as uh, as good as anyone's playing at the moment. But again, I think Easter very much fits into the system that Harlequins play. And yeah. rugby, as you're seeing this weekend, is all about systems, which is why we're getting so many upsets. It's because styles match up against styles. So Stuart Lancaster is going to decide in style then needs to get the players to fit that style. Agree. Stefan Armitage fits his style. Yeah. I, I, uh, but they're just such it, morons. Well, it was, sorry, it was Ollie Bayliss that tweeted that rugby podcast with that uh, Nick Easter quip. But they are just such morons that they are, you know, this exceptional circumstance. I know. How about this? How exceptional is having a World Cup in your home country with an exceptional player who is so exceptional he's got the exceptional award of European Player of the Year? I mean, what more exception do you... I I can't imagine how much more exceptional it has to be. (laughs) Well, (laughs) You've got to have three hands or something. uh, Fatty Matty on Twitter said, come on, lads, it's time for 
quote, exceptional circumstances, bring back magic Stefo7, Europe's best player, hashtag Six Nations, hashtag fact. Um, Yeah, because that isn't a subjective uh, call. That is actually based on an award that he won. (laughs) I think it could well happen. Any any, any more names we could throw into the hat at this point? Uh, How about Carl Ferns? Carl Ferns. Interesting. Played to mate, yeah. Uh, Jordan Crane? Bit, bit awkward, bit awkward. That was <laughs> sorry, 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 goodness me. Uh, we're, we're, we're meant to try and have some sort of people think that reputable... we know about rugby. <laughs> people think that they go to it thinking I'll listen to some experts. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, what about Nathan Hughes? Not yet. Oh, not yet. But this, unfortunately, I think this is bittersweet with this one because you watch him playing for Wasps and you just the mouth waters at him God. in an England shirt. Oh, a year and a half time, it will yeah. happen. September 2016. Yeah, <laughs> well, or, maybe. Or Big Dave. Or Big, Big Dave. Dave. But listen, um, Billy Vanapol is up still only, what, 2021? 20, yeah. How old is it? Really? It's incredible, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Crikey. But, I'd maybe stick with him. But do you not feel guilty? Imagine, do you not just think of all those Fijian rugby players huddled around a TV in a little in a little hut on a on a shingle beach the most patronising racist view I've heard this <laughs> week <laughs> but yeah sometimes I do hunting with bows and arrows only eating small primates uh, yeah yeah Jennifer was covered time. by a loincloth oh, <laughs> sorry so oh. anyway what were you saying imagine all those people in Fiji uh, who are you know what maybe watching some shots of this guy? Oh, he's he's one of us. He's from our he's from our island. I know his cousin, dad, dad whatever, dad, brother, brother, whatever. And and then they go, oh no, England are going to steal him. Oh, so, so now England are stealing all our players. It wasn't. It's not enough that New Zealand, Australia, are stealing are, are stealing our talent pool of one of the smallest populations, but yet managed to get so, produce yeah. so many incredible rugby players. England are now at it as well. There is a serious point here, isn't there, that it would be nice to see a really strong Fiji side. But the pragmatic view is, until there's a player payment system for the second team, uh, sorry, second tier teams, we're just not going to see it. Is this, it not, be... is this not the IRB's job? I don't... It... World Rugby. World Rugby, sorry. sorry. World Rugby, yeah. Well, they've rebranded, so let's just see what they do. But, you know, it would be nice to see them distribute the money in a fairer way so they can keep these players. Again, this links in so much with salary cap. It's happening World Rugby with international teams. It's happening in the Premiership with Premiership clubs. There is disparity of funding and there is a lack of appetite for the powers that be to get involved and and, and equalise the playing field. But in, for the good of everyone, it's not for the good of England or New Zealand or Australia, for the good of everybody that plays rugby and all the emerging nations. We, I think we've got they've got to do more to to, to help. Yeah, agree and. A good thing is that New Zealand are playing a test in Apia, mm. Apia, um, Samoa capital this year ahead of yeah. the, the World Cup. Uh, from a marketing point of view, I can't think of a, you know, a better story than like the Fiji national team getting, you know, it, for the wider world who don't know about rugby, say if you're in America, this reads like the Jamaican bobsleigh team. Yeah. You know, if they get yeah. all, all of their <laughs> players together and do well, I mean, they beat Wales. Yeah. You know, so, so, Samoa beat Australia exactly. a couple of years ago. So and came very close to beating uh, South Africa not not that long ago. I can't really understand why they don't militarise their national teams more because it's almost like the national industry. It is. In fact, it, I wouldn't be surprised. One of their biggest exports. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest export. Mm. You're not wrong. I was try- sorry. I was desperately trying to frantically trying to get some music, but I didn't get it in time. 
What is this? Oh, uh, Cool Running. Oh, is it? That's the Cool Running soundtrack. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, that really wasn't worth the effort. <laughs> um, right, we'll get back to some more rugby chat in a minute. Um, but how did you get on with that little teaser I set at the very start uh, of the podcast? Uh, it's time for JB and Phil to front up. So the question I ask you, just to recap. So England play Wales in the first Six Nations match in this 2015 a World Cup year. The last World Cup year, 2011, England also played Wales. So my question to you is, which six players were in the matchday squad for England's match against Wales in 2011, Six Nations, who are still part of the England squad now? And I'm justifying that as in they took part in the Autumn. recent Autumn Internationals. So, for example, Dan, Dan, Cole, Dan Cole is one of the names that was involved in 2011, yeah. but he didn't play for England in the Autumn Internationals. Right, so, so that would yeah. be a fail. So um, Phil has gone with... Haskell. Just Haskell. Okay, let's, let's do with Haskell. Has JB put Haskell? He has. I think he scored two tries in that game. Uh, he came off the bench. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, he started open side. Yeah. Uh, did Captain Bantos. Did, did he score two tries in that game? Um, I should have done the research <laughs> on that. I'll take Phil's word for it. Um, He's only scored two tries against Wales in a Six Nation game about that, that time. Okay, cool. Ben Youngs. Has Phil gone for yep. Phil and JB? Uh, yes. He he was uh, involved. He was starting that match. Hartley, mm. Dylan Hartley. You both gone for Dylan Hartley. We have. You are both three from three. I now this this is where it goes awry. I think. Uh, have you crossed off? Uh... Oh, I've crossed Wood off myself. God damn. Um, okay, uh, Tom Wood. Tom Wood. I've got a question mark against that. He was in the squad. He was Wood in off. the team. He started at blindside. Oh, good. And I Tom think Wood. you might be wrong on, the, on this one, Phil. Okay. Richard Wigglesworth. No, uh, Richard Wigglesworth. I think D- you're wrong on this Danny one. Danny well. Kerr was on the bench. Oh, oh yes. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that because Danny he... Kerr, JB gets a point. So the scores are three or four, four all. Four all. And there's one more player to get. Phil's gone with Ro- Rob Webber. To which I, uh, I, my riposte is Brad Barrett. Brad Barrett. Rob Webber, he did play a part in 2011. He did play one Six Nations game, Uh-oh. came off the bench. Um, but no, Brad Barrett, also no. Uh, so that was your six names. Who was the other one? Was it Tom Young's? Foden, no, did Foden didn't play no. in the autumn this time. What else have I got on there? I've got... Uh, Mike Brown, Mike... Uh, Tom Young's. Oh, Sippers. And Sippers. To all of those... The other name you're missing, David Wilson. Oh, oh I didn't think he was wrong. Yeah. Oh, he's on the bench. He's on the bench. So England's England's team was Sheridan, Hartley, Cole, Deacon, Palmer, Wood. Ooh, ooh, ugly second row combination. <laughs> yeah. This was the Martin Johnson team. Remember? <laughs> oh my uh, god. Wood, Haskell, Easter, Young's Flood, Quato, Harpy, Tyndall, Captain. Ashton and Foden with Steve Thompson David Wilson Simon Shaw Joe Worsley Danny Kerr Johnny Wilkinson and Matt Banahan Banners the replacement <laughs> Banners so way, playing exceptional at the moment so uh, yeah so um, th- there, are your, there are your six names well done if you got more than four you did better than JB and Phil it was uh, the 2010 opening match of the Six Nations where James Haskell scored two tries 
Fact. <laughs> uh, there we go. Right, uh, here's another little question before we get back to domestic rugby. Uh, we're going to talk at length, I imagine, about the international squads next week. But I think there's one really interesting area emerging in Ireland and Wales, the fly half position. And we've got ah. we've got Phil as a, a you know as of this season a converted Ulster fan who's taken an mm. interest in Irish rugby. JB is a Welshman, so I, I just want to sit back and just talk to us about the ten positions because Johnny Sexton is injured, will be injured for Ireland for the Six Nations. So yep. there's a little battle emerging for the second spot and who's going to start for Ireland. And in Wales, I, let's start with Wales because I find their selections for 10 very un-Welsh. Uh, right, go on. So by that I mean my image of a Welsh 10 uh, has always been, we well, think of some of the classic names down, down the years, Phil Bennett, Barry John, and then Jonathan Davies as well. Yeah. Um, and then these, what we've got here is three Neil Jenkins. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, guys who put kick in ahead of. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd like to say, like the first three names that you've mentioned, out of all of them, only Jonathan Davis is is legit. I mean, he what he did just can't be taught. I mean, he he'd fly hack the ball from the twenty two into the opposition twenty two, and then you know do something crazy. Marvelous, marvelous player. The other two, I know they're Welsh royalty and. I was oh, say, careful. Yeah. And, and Jeez, do you yeah, want to be able to go okay. back to Wales? Okay. Have you ever done this? Have you ever passed a ball with someone? Who's like an ex-international from the '60s or something, something like that? I watched them pass. They're absolutely junk. I mean, they were playing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I play. Um, I Guys play... from the '60s will be like eighty by. Okay, now. well, I play with a ex-international, Ke- Ke- Kevin O'Brien. I've never seen him spin a ball. I'm not even sure he can. I just think like the game has changed so drastically. I don't know. No, I agree with that. But in the amateur days, but you have to try and look at it within a context. And within the context of the rugby that there was there, Phil Bennett. Phil Bennett was playing against dentists and builders. Yeah, I know. But that. But but he was still amateur himself, and his steps and his awareness and his timing of his passes was unbelievable. There is James Hook, but we have seen enough of him to decide no. Uh, probably best if we don't play him there's also Matthew Morgan that plays for Bristol he was doing pretty well and then went to Bristol but you know who knows next year he could be a premiership 10 and he's pretty good as well very 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 lively England have, have tried small 10s have tried Ryan Lamb uh, and they've tried Freddie Burns Freddie Burns and it just it's just not really the way what about George Ford yeah he's more of a work that's exactly it of, yeah. of all the tens he's, he's a ball player yeah yeah but so is um there was a an article about this very thing i think it was in the telegraph i didn't know it was the guardian was it, oh obviously um <laughs> and they were banging on about how professionals ruined the game and how barry john wouldn't even get a game now and they cited as the example Awell thomas as a superb player has anyone watched Awell thomas play because i remember growing up on a staple diet of Awell thomas <laughs> and it was tragic so if you get your rugby news from the guardian don't do it again it's not worth it um, <laughs> Owen Williams is a class, class ball, ball player. I mean, I think as Welsh tens go, he's pretty classy. Uh, thank you. Uh, I think he's better than Bigger, but I think Bigger will start. And uh, actually, you know, Priestland's not a bad ball player. He's got a world-class game in him. Occasionally, semi-occasionally, every few years, he has a, world, a, a world-class game. 
I remember seeing him against the Springboks a couple of years ago, and he was just every time he got the ball, he's like cowering because the hits were coming left, right, and centre. He's getting absolutely smashed. He folds up like a crumple zone. Yeah. But, all right, okay, <laughs> but they're kicking tens. Yes, they so, are. Well, they're not bought primarily. They're not ball playing tens. I tell you the one thing Reese Pearson can do better than any other fly half, and this is not a joke. <laughs> Cower high. <laughs> no, the kick high. it really, really high. Yeah. yeah, as high as you want. I mean, I think that's because he, he's actually a fullback. He was forcing it into ten. Uh, injury to one of the you know one of our actual tens, and he just hoists the ball really high. He's very good at that, and that's kind of where it ends. Yeah. So mm. who, who will get the starting ten berth for Wales? Bigger, I think I'd like to see Williams as his backup. Yes. Let's move over to the Irish brethren across the sea, and right with I mean Johnny Sexton is more of an automatic choice at ten than pretty much any international team. Yeah, in the world. I'd go as far as to say he has been the best 10 in the world for the past couple of years at mm. least. I, I, don't yeah, know, I, I don't know if you two would, would argue with that. I but... wouldn't argue. Oh, I have not seen enough of the French 10s like week in, week out uh, uh, to say. They, I mean, I changed, French 10s have changed around too much. Sexton but... just winning the Heineken Cup a couple of years, well, three out of four years uh, a couple of years ago. Lions winning the Six Nations. And yeah, you know what? Lions 10 without question. Uh, yeah, the great that. thing about Sexton going across to fr- uh, France for a year has been that Ireland have three excellent 10s who've all been playing. It's all- almost like, isn't it? It's almost like one of us said a little while ago, <laughs> that when you get rid of your best players, all the kids step up and get into <laughs> It's almost like someone said that. <laughs> <laughs> so who's going who's gonna to come out of the shadows and be the main man at 10, Phil? Okay, so in the Autumn Internationals, the three 10s that were selected were obviously Sexton, who started the two big games. Behind him was Madigan, mm-hmm. who's the Leinster 10, um, or he's one of the two Leinster 10s, because obviously they've got Jimmy Gopeth. And Ian Keatley was was the other one who started on the bench against Georgia, um, and is clearly three, third choice out of those. Now, I, I would probably argue um, Paddy Jackson should be in there of of Ulster. Obviously, I would probably put Paddy Jackson ahead of Ian Keatley just because I think he offers a bit more. I think he's the more well rounded ten. So Sexton can do absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Madigan is is probably similar. He's quite quick. Good kicker of the ball, good hands, good at controlling the game. And I think Paddy Jackson is similar, whereas Keatley plays a bit more the Munster way, which is kicking the ball, uh, stick it in the corner. Well, a name you've not mentioned, or I will see him next next year, JJ Hanrahan. Where do you rate him? Very, very talented. Precociously talented. He, he's not getting enough game time at Munster. He's played a little bit in the centre, played a little bit full-back, often played off the bench, scored some incredible tries. Like his try against Perpignan in the last second last year to, I think, win the game, where he like, stepped three people and gassed into the corner. Oh, Super, yeah, that was him, was it? Yeah, Brilliant. really, really. Yeah, yeah, him coming off the, off the bench, really good. But not playing enough to, to warrant selection at the moment. It'd be very interesting when, next year, when Milo's 31, um, he, um, JJ Harrahan will be 23. He's, only, he's obviously come across for quite big money to make oh. him come across to Northampton, whether he will secure that, that mm. position for the And again, the why reigning. is that not better for everyone? So he's, so he's well, gone away, <clears throat> become a starting 10. Yeah, and that, that means that Ian Keatley, who's uh, only 27, who is an Irish-capped 10, can uh, get more guaranteed game time at, at Munster. So, so. Uh, should we take this time to talk about the Scottish 10s? Because there's only two of them in, the, in, in yeah, all Yeah, go on then. Should be... <laughs> Finn Russell. Finn Russell. Done. Good, Done. There good we player. Go. Yeah. Good. <laughs> nice. Uh, we will talk at some length, I imagine, about the Six Nations squad and um, what on earth Stuart Lancaster is going to do. I imagine him like poker facing 
to everyone, to the world, just sort of like, oh yeah, yeah I'm totally calm about my squad, yeah. And then in private, like with his maybe with his wife and Cries his kids, just crying. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't know who to pick in the centre. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Where's Daddy? Who, He's locked himself in the attic again. His his wingers. Who's his wingers going to be? <sighs> Benjamin. Johnny May. Benjamin. Benjamin. He, I think he's got... I, th- I think the Samisa Rock and Dagoon, he just he got a great try scored, but he pulled he up pulled with a hamstring. Oh, I know. I think that was Stuart Lancaster with a voodoo doll, just going, I need someone out, just so I can <laughs> someone make the decision can be made but for me. Rock and Dagoon and May would have been great wingers to start. I can't, yeah. I can't I'd have, have Noel over May, I think, at the moment. But Noel's looking good, and uh, Yard's actually finding a little bit of form. Yeah, that was a great Benjamin's try. Benjamin's coming into form. Benja- I, I Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin is not coming into form. Benjamin's coming into form slowly. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> uh, let's talk about something positive. Sam Burgess in the centre. Yeah, he did something. He did two Sam. things. Two things. Right, JB's right. Uh, up until now, uh, he felt slightly guilty about it, but now JB can officially say he wants to. <laughs> I don't. Wrap up a picnic, don't. take his fishing rods, go up a mountain, <laughs> pitch a tent, and have some quiet time no, with slamming a, Sam. It's a farce. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not a farce. He's playing well. No, no, no. He is playing well. It was very encouraging. I did like to see him score. I, it was really nice to see him score, actually, because everyone like gathered around him, and it, yeah. just, it, it felt, yeah, felt nice. It wasn't. He, it wasn't just the score. Having a look at, he was very, very productive and managed. I don't know what was different, but he managed to get his hands on the ball a lot this time. Tom Vandell was on BT Sport and obviously was watching the Wasp game. He's out injured. He's out in with concussion at the moment. And for an opposition player to say, Sam Burgess was one of Bath's best players on the pitch. One of their couple of standout players. I was pretty impressive that. Yeah, he's getting there. I mean, I, I, and on the highlights I've seen, he, he did look like a good. Uh, it's actually one of those times I'm actually going to go onto the Premiership Rugby website and watch the full game. Mm. So they have that facility up there, yeah. but I've never ever done it. Uh, and he, man- he managed to make a hit this weekend. He made two hits. I've seen only seen one of them. Yeah, two good hits hit on that- uh, both on Ben Jacobs. The 12. Poor, ben, poor Ben Jacobs. I know. <laughs> that was amazing. He wrapped his arms, didn't just shoulder someone in the face. He looked. Him, yeah, he looked is a. Big improvement. I'm, Hashtag, I'm happy it is. Pray for Ben Jacobs. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, now Newcastle looked impressive. London Wales, That's it. They're done. I think. I think Piri Weepu is the perfect metaphor for London Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> Just not fit for purpose. <laughs> okay. Unless its purpose is KFC buckets. Yeah, and lots of them. <laughs> poor Piri Weepu. Poor London Welsh. Yeah. Tom. Tom May. Done the right thing. I felt very, very sorry for um, Ollie Barkley today. I was uh, watching the game and it flashed over to um, the changing room and you can see Ollie Barkley in his substitute chatting. I was thinking, you're literally just making a living now. That is all you're doing. You're just literally showing up for work. I was watching the game today and, and going, that's it. what does Ollie Barkley do next year? Yeah, because he's done the, the uh, France big money thing and that yeah. kind of didn't really work kind out for him. Did out. Yeah. He did the Pro 12... Smaller money thing, yeah, and that kind of fizzled out. You can't, you can't see him swallowing playing in the championship, can you? And uh, Ryan, Ryan Lamb and other people have done. Ryan Lamb yeah, got relegated done, there, yeah, but he? they've done yeah. that with the big organisation that's actually a Premiership club playing in the championship. Yeah, this is a championship. Club. I, I just thought, yeah. I was thinking, like, what must he think? He's gone from Racing Metro, who have a wine cellar in their uh, facility. <laughs> And now he's just talking about London Welsh. London Welsh have got a fence. Yeah, they do. <laughs> They've got the fence. I, I just like what. What must you think? Like, why? Why am I so bad? What? What did I do? But yeah, I felt quite sorry for him actually. So, mm. Fenua looked quite good though. I Fenua the, the well, Leicester never announced their signings, but 
uh, we said on last week's podcast, mm, Fanua to Leicester would be a good fit. We, mm. we may well have some inside sources, but we, we, we've had uh, some people on Twitter going, you've got the same sources I have, really, <laughs> because Fanua to Leicester Tigers is on. There you go. Yeah, one of the uh, Newcastle second rows were tackling him. He just looked like a, oh, talking of looking like kids. There, I want to say Hammerson. What is his name at fullback? Hammersley. Hammersley. It just looks like a six former. Looks like a, a, very... a lanky, a rangy six former. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, with that froppy hair as well, probably from Bot Bot Barnard Castle School or somewhere. <laughs> Prefect. Who they so, put a fullback on the London Welsh Newcastle thing. It was a convincing win by Newcastle London Welsh while well, they're down. Um, but. I- I've just got a question Dean about... Richards, Dean Richards, um, let's, let's, let's just tap it. Well, as a, just to remind you, we've got a salary cap special coming. We're going to have a, another special podcast, two podcasts this week, one coming on Wednesday. Um, and London Welsh have been threatening the potential of legal action because they're un- unhappy about the, the way that the RFU are funding them. They're getting £1.7 million in central funding um, as a promoted side, whereas the established premiership sides are all getting surplus of £4 million, which is um, a disparity that they say is unfair. 100% right as well. Uh, Dean Richards has said, stop moaning about it and get on with it. Such a classic <laughs> Dean Richards thing to yeah. say. I hate, do you know what? I hate coaches like, just buy into it. Just do as I'm... But, but what if you're wrong? What if you're, what you're telling <laughs> me to do is wrong? Mm. That just buy into it and stuff just doesn't, doesn't work, particularly when you're going to get relegated next year. Yeah. So we, we, we'll talk about that a little bit more in our in our salary cap special. But do you know the one thing you've got to be careful about about London Welsh? They're one world class position. This isn't a joke either. The on. one world class position. Is hold it? on, hold on, hold on. They're one world class position. Yeah, comfortably better than anyone else in the Premiership. Huh? This is a joke. No, it's not. It's a, a serious point. Their one world class position is their chairman, right? who apparently is one of the brightest legal minds in London. Really? And it's uh, this fellow who is a partner in one of the big, big law firms that got them promoted first time round. I could be... Com- 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 um, he might have left since. But he was, he was so formidable, that's why they let uh, uh, let them up first time round. Uh, not just why they... they let them up, why the rules have been changed forevermore yeah. about so, the method of promotion. Be very careful with London Welsh, because if the world class at one thing, it's litigation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, let's have, a, let's have a brief break for a moment because Phil has prepared a little game we've not done in a while. Yeah. Rugby Social. We know that rugby players are prolific on Twitter, mainly just posting pictures of all the free stuff they've been sent <laughs> as a way of blagging all the Nutribullets you saw over Christmas. Oh, lo- And PS4 travel cases. Yeah, check out my new PS4 travel case. Um, selling themselves out um, for a, for a quick buck. Um, the worst for that is Johnny Wilkinson, by the way. No is butter. He? Yeah, yeah, he's terrible. Coconut for oil, it. nut butter. He loves his fine side, which is his own brand. Yeah, that kind of. Stuff. Oh, and if he does it for his own brand, that's a bit but different. Him and him and, as well. him and Hask. But no, I like the ones where people have got like a, a you know a, a twenty pound protein supplement tub and they're tweeting about it. Anyway, yeah. FIFA's the best one. They love FIFA. Oh, they do oh, love FIFA. FIFA. Every time a new FIFA comes out, they're all on it. Anyway. Um, but they also just tweet, you know, they have a lot of spare time after they're working hard and playing and on rest days and stuff. So you you almost certainly get some entertaining Twitter action from the rugby players of the world. Phil, uh, go ahead. So it's a combination of Twitter and a couple of interviews in the rugby paper that I've taken these three questions Excellent. from. Ooh. So number one, James Wilson of Northampton mm-hmm. described something as being, air quotes, on point. This week. Is this his potential selection for England and the, and the <laughs> 20s? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> As you previously mentioned, Jay, 31-year-old yeah. New Zealander James Wilson could possibly... J- JB thought he was a, an up-and-coming young <laughs> English Academy product. Not my right. So, ooh. so what does he describe as being on point? Was it Katie Hopkinson... Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins. Oh, doing the slagging, Fat Britain. Yeah, slagging off fatties in My Fat Story. That sounds okay. Was it Arsenal's 3-0 win over Stoke? Doubt it. Or was it Anando's whole chicken platter? Ah. Ec- <laughs> ec- ec- extra hot with rice and macho peas. Okay, well, there's well, New Zealanders are famously straight-talking. No nonsense. Not particularly PC. So Katie Hopkins would appeal to him, but so would Anando's. Uh, I think uh, Arsenal Stoke. I think James Wilson would stop short of getting involved in a in a controversial topic. I think he's going Arsenal Stoke. He watched. I, think, it, I bet he watched it on telly and went Arsenal were on point. I think you would stop short of getting involved in a controversial topic. <laughs> topic. I think James Wilson was talking about Casey Hopkins. Okay, one of you is correct, and it is JB. Oh. Boom. Wow. One nil, Jay. Okay, Billy Vanapola was talking about his drop-off in form in the Autumn Internationals. Among other things, did he, did he attribute it to temporarily losing his faith in God, playing too much Call of Duty with Mako Vinopola, <laughs> or spending too much time eating Nando's? <laughs> Is this section sponsored by Nando's? <laughs> Um, I would love one of those black cards. Chris, Chris Robshaw has one. Um, he does, yeah. I'm going to... God. I'm not going to mention God because um, well, I've got very strong views on it. So it's not going to be God. I think it's Call of Duty. Call of Duty with Mako Vanipola? Yeah. I, I'm going to go with God. He's a very serious young man and um, faith is very important to him. So we'll see. One of you's got it correct. It's Tim. Yes. Goes to a decider. Which means As if God's looking down going, do you know what? Today, Mako is going to play better. And not only is Mako going to play better, I'm going to make sure that Sam Dickinson plays worse. How? How? Oh, carry on. <laughs> right, number three. Yes. Miles Benjamin has said that he's not very good at cooking and he's proposed a way to get over the problem. Is it go to Nando's? Nando's. Was it? Was it to marry a beautiful woman who's going to cook for him? <laughs> Was it to move back in with his mum and dad, or was it to get a Nando's black card? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going Nando's. I'm just going Nando's. I think he loves his mum. (laughs) You think he loves his mum? I do. So, Tim? Nando's. Nando's. He's on the blag. Okay, again, one of you's got it correct, and this time... It's Tim. (laughs) He was on the black for a Nando's black card. Aren't we all, though? (laughs) What a great game of rugby social. One of the best. (laughs) Well, if he ever does make JB's prediction come true and become a a solid first-choice England international winger, (laughs) then uh, I'm sure a black card will be the least he'll get. I can imagine him linking up with James Wilson right now. Yeah. In in, in white. Uh, Right, before we get into the rugby that's coming up in the European fixtures, JB has crafted a brand new segment on the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast where we turn into rugby agony ants and solve your problems that you're having, be it in your own workout schedule, regime, yeah, your, if you hate your fly half or your local club or, or in the team you follow and go and watch every Saturday or Sunday or whatever. Yeah, I think we prefer the ones like 
Or you're a rugby player, do you have some issues? For instance, the coach's son is wearing your shirt, uh, like Gavin Henson in Bath. Mm. Or um, do you... I, I can't, you know, are you stuck on the bench? What, whatever it for is. For example, for, for a couple of seasons when I was playing with JB at Broughton Park, it would have been, we have the same line-out moves that they had in 1984. <laughs> and, uh, and it's doing my head in that all they do is the same four, two straight up, two lob. Four exactly. straight up, four lob. So uh, <laughs> Phil can deal with nutrition and stuff. Yeah. Tim, you're probably pretty rugby savvy. I'm not sure what I'm going to deal with. But between the three of us, we can come up with a solution for your problem. Yes. And what, what, whatever JB does, he'll be very opinionated with it. <laughs> maybe not. What problem do we have, Jay? Well, I've got an email here, so maybe Phil should read the email. Okay, first time seeing this. Here we go. Dear Rugby Podcast, I'm an early 30-year-old 30, 30 rugby professional. I'm very proud of my job and all that I've accomplished. However, no matter how hard I try, I'm overshadowed in the rugby world by my brother, who doesn't even play, exclamation mark. Despite having tiny arms and not having played for over a year, <laughs> he receives loads of free stuff from Canterbury and BT Sport. I've played for the... Bo- <laughs> <laughs> what does that say? I've played for the Barbars. i played for, for the Barbars. He sounds off about rugby. I have been a high-level pro. He has a silly podcast. I have played second row with Ali Williams and he reads out tweets for, from <laughs> other professional rugby players. <laughs> What can I do? For obvious reasons, I've not used my name. <laughs> Can regards, NR. <laughs> That's a heavy one to start that, with. It's a real deep discussion, whoever, isn't it? Whoever that individual is that's got in touch, I, I just he sounds like he's from good stock. And, uh, <laughs> he sounds like he works very hard. My advice would be just accept you lost life's lottery and that your <laughs> this, this this brother of yours is clearly the superior supreme being uh, what can you do i mean i suppose you could make more noise in the media yes yeah um, leverage it the other way uh, uh, maybe maybe set up a twitter account because he's a pro rugby player they get into a lot of these things maybe a um an instagram more like daniel Pilzarian's. wow <laughs> he's in richmond um i've got one solution and we actually touched on it last week i think at the next family get-together, Nancy Kerrigan. Take mm. a crowbar to your brother's knees. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or, nice. Or larynx. What, larynx. Yeah. Larynx would do well. Voice box out of action. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> I just get the feeling that would be the wrong move, <laughs> um, personally. But <laughs> I think show, every, show everyone how the deck is really stacked. Make your brother have a game for whichever professional team that you play for, and maybe he could do the podcast. That's a good idea. Job switch. A job switch. And then we'd all know. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I know I know that in my own case, I, I, I wouldn't like to recommend that because if I were to do that with, with my brother, Nick Rouse at London Irish, I think... Well, I don't think London Irish's performance would be affected too badly, but I think the podcast <laughs> would be massively inferior. <laughs> I wouldn't like to do that to our regular podcasters. That would just be unfair. Um, I think it's very narcissistic to think it's you, Tim. That's all I'm saying. Uh, at Rugby Podcast, tweet us. Tweet us, and then we'll get in touch with you when you send us an email. If you want a rugby agony out to solve your issue. Uh, we've got some brilliant matchups to talk about this weekend. It's European Rugby back. Now... Forgive us if your club is involved in a bit of a dead rubber match, but we're going to try and just focus our attention on the games which are most crucial to progressing to the latter stages of the the, the competitions. Um, so with that in mind, Sarri's against Munster is tasty. Yeah, this is a huge game. 
Obviously, the, there's three of them that can potentially go through in that pool. Claremont currently topping on 14 points, then Saracen's t- 13 and Munster 10. But whoever wins the remaining two games will go through. Well, Sale aren't going through, are they? No, Sale categorically so are out. you've got to say that Claremont are going to win that game. Yes. And if Claremont win, it's pretty much over anyway. Mm. Uh, unless Saracens win both their games and get bonus points, there's only one point difference between those two. But if Claremont win, it's over for Munster. Uh, if Claremont and Saracens both win, it's over for Munster. Right. And Munster play Saracens at Saracens. But if Munster win, can they win out to get through? They normally say twenty points is enough to get out of the group. Uh, it's enough to uh, secure. Right. So they they can still do that comfortably. I think. Saracens to win at home. Yes, I'll go with that. It should be a good game. Although <sighs> Munster beat them in the reverse fixture. Yeah, and yeah, but it's a terrible game as well. Saracens never really got going. No, I've just got this nagging feeling about Munster. The one cometh what, the hour and all that. One day the deal which they've done with the devil is 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 is, is going to c- c- come back to haunt them. I don't know when, <laughs> but what they do isn't natural. I would go Saracens to win that, not get a bonus point. Munster to get something out of the game, but. It will mean that Saracens are still in the hunt. Yeah. So it do feel to me like they're dropping off a bit, but I think they'll pull it together for this. Yeah, yeah. Quins have, have looked better in the Premiership, but they were looking really good in Europe and go to Wasps in a, like t- in a tasty All English match. Matchup. Yeah, I think Wasps can beat them. I think they will beat them. I think they can. It it, it all depends. So Quins beat Leicester at the weekend by playing a really expansive attacking game, even though Quins's set piece was pretty poor they only won 58% of their, their own why did ball. Leicester not just truck it up I know why did Leicester try and play Harlequins at their own game it's it stupid anyway if Harlequins can at least improve that set piece and gain some kind of parity there they've got a really good foundation to, to play and, and to, to win I really can't read Harlequins I don't know if they're a good team or a bad team I, d- I don't know what they are I think they're a good team but they struggle at set piece. I think it's, it's that simple, and teams can grind it out and can beat uh, them by uh, just beating them. Up home win, home it, win. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with wasps. Stoops. I think wasps can do it. I think that back row will overpower them. I think. I just think they're a very, very good team. Hmm. Bit of inexperience in the centres with wasps. Ben the same with Harlequins though. Yeah. Who they play Low and Hopper. So what? What next, Phil? Um. Well, the other one of the other big games to lose Bath. Ah. Oh. Now Bath after losing the first two games. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I think when you talk about this matchup, it is. Oh no! Well, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah got it. You nailed yeah, it. Yeah, 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 nailed it. There's that. There's that bit of music that would definitely summarise it. And then there's thinking of those just <laughs> massive men. Brilliant! It's colliding. Brilliant. Uh, so last time Bath did battle with Toulouse, they went out with a back row of CC, um, Yules, and another guy who I cannot remember the life of me. Uh, oh yes, I can. It was the um, the the Mercer. Guy. No. Oh yeah. Uh, Houston. Uh, no. Fire Fire Saliva or something like that. Fire, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That one. We all know that whoever it is, he grew up watching watching one TV that the village had in a small <laughs> island, <laughs> eating raw pig. Sorry so, again. Sorry again. Uh, <laughs> this time they've got Garvey. some of my best friends are <laughs> Pacific Islanders. <laughs> That's what Dave Dave. <laughs> Dave Wheel and the Wigan chairman <laughs> said that that was his excuse. Oh, anyway. Brilliant. Sorry. Um, they've got low back. They've, 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 you know, they've got the band back together, and I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be much closer, but it is where it's to lose. To lose to win. To lose to win, but only just. Yes, I'll go with that. Yeah, just it'll be close. I hope Bath do it though. I'd love it. I'd love to see them in the. It seems like they should be in the in the knockout stages. Yeah, I'd love them to be in the knockouts. 
if Glasgow win their two remaining games, beat Montpellier um, and beat Bath at but Bath, to they, lose they will to lose they'll go through. So that, that that pulls all to play for. Where else have we got? Oh, Racing and Northampton and Ospreys battling it out in that group with Treviso that are obviously out. Ospreys mathematically aren't out of it. Racing um, will get a five-point win at home to Treviso. Yes, yes that is guaranteed. So where does that leave uh, Ospreys and Northampton in their... Ospreys are only on eight points. They're not mathematically out of it because if they've got two five-point wins, they could just about sneak uh, a losing place. Mm-hmm. But Northampton on 15 points will be looking for, for two victories there. I'd, Northampton I'd, away at Ospreys. I'd yeah. go for Northampton as well. Yeah. Definitely. Any other particular fixtures that are like jumping out as exciting to you? There's quite a few kind of dead rubber matches like Toulon Ulster would normally be really exciting and we even yeah. talked about going to that one but given that Ulster only won one of their first four games and we can go to Toulon later on in the season anyway where it's a bit warmer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um, and Scarlet's Leicester both teams on eight points neither one can really challenge for that see if uh, Owen Williams that hadn't signed that contract it, it basically it, they could have played for Owen Williams <laughs> <laughs> he signed so what can you do yeah so yeah a bit of it's, it's almost a bit disappointing that there is quite a bit of dead rubber in there already mm. um, but the big matchups will be awesome exciting European matches just to remind you we have got that salary cap special coming your way uh, this Wednesday so keep an eye out for that we've got Damien Hopley head of the Rugby Players Association having a little natter to us and we'll just try and as succinctly as we can summarise all points of view on what is the hottest debate in rugby right now the salary cap so uh, we'll see you for that one we'll see you next time next weekend to debate all the rugby that's coming up this weekend and uh, thank you very much for listening get in touch with us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter on Facebook and uh, we will see you on the next one nice one JB thank you very much Tim in a bit Phil cheers Tim Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 